0: Hello, and welcome to the Diary of a Female Entrepreneur podcast. This is the podcast that teaches entrepreneurs how to start, grow, and sustain their businesses while handling all the emotional challenges life throws at them like a boss. Here's your host, Nancy Mensa, business and life coach, international speaker, and the founder of Triumphant Women Nonprofit Organization.
1: Hey guys, welcome back, and thanks for listening in to another episode of the Diary of a Female Entrepreneur podcast. I am your host, Nancy Mensa. Today, I have two awesome ladies on the show with me, and I'm so excited. I'm actually very excited to chat with them about their business and all the fun things that they are doing out there to change lives and to build other entrepreneurs, such as themselves, such as you and I. So I am so excited to talk to these two beautiful ladies. And so without further ado, please help me welcome Ms. Jay Driver and Cassie Petrie. Ladies, welcome.
0: Hi. Hi. How are you?
1: Good, good. How are you, ladies? Doing good. It's raining, so
0: that's always, you know, a little, Fine. little, you know, not a great part of the day. But we're getting through. We're having a great day here at CrowdSurf.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, Man, yeah, Houston, Houston is um, it goes from thirty-seven in the morning, and you you put on a turtleneck, and by noon it's close to seventies, and you're and you're oh, out. Wow. Pool, so. <laughs>
2: That is a kind of weather. Wow.
1: person. <laughs> so, i So, not bad at all. But you know what, ladies? Before we even go any further, let me just brag about you guys a little bit. And I'll give you a chance to brag about yourself because you're doing really awesome stuff. Um, so, audience, uh, Jade and Cassie, they are the co-founders of CrowdSurf. And CrowdSurf is a marketing, publicity, and artist management firm with offices in LA, New York City, and Nashville. And they are also the host of the How I Got Backstage podcast. This podcast is really fun, really good stuff. If you're in the music business or trying to get into the music business, please, please, please tune in to the How I Got Backstage podcast. These guys are working with artists such as the Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears, Guns N' Roses, Big Rich, and more. So that is a little bit about these two wonderful ladies. So ladies, please tell me more about who you are. Let the audience know who you are.
0: Yeah, so this is Jade. I'm sitting right now in Nashville. I work out of our Nashville offices and Cassie is in Los Angeles where she works out of our Culver City office. And we were just two girls that met in college. We had a ton in common. We were both uh, at a college, Middle Tennessee State University. That was very well known for its music business program, which is why we both went there. And we immediately bonded because we had a lot of very similar music, um, taste in music, such as Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears and, and you know, 90s pop music. That's very important to both of us. So we really bonded over that and then, you know, got to know each other through the course of, you know, going to college and learning about the music industry. And it was a really cool time because, that would have been around 2004, five, six. And that was when social media was really becoming something that was more of, I guess, a household name. So it was a, it was a super interesting time. And, you know, I really give Cassie credit for seizing the opportunity to really look at the way artists can promote themselves via social media, because it wasn't something that was widely being done especially not with you know mainstream very popular artists I think some indie artists were very much digging into it but Cassie had this dream that she was going to quote-unquote run MySpace pages for a living and I thought well that sounds amazing but I wasn't necessarily sure how that would be done but it actually could be done (laughs) and uh And at one point, we both, you know, we're working with different artists doing different things and social media really was, you know, taking kind of a life of its own at that time. And it was it was really good timing kind of when we graduated college and really a good, you know, opportunity to seize this this new world that not a lot of people knew about because it was a place where, you know, we're young coming out of college and we are, quote unquote, experts in this social media, you know, Internet world where these older people that had been veterans in the music industry for so many years, they have done these incredible things and created these artists that we love, but they weren't really in tune with the new things coming up, the digital side of things. So it was a great opportunity to kind of use something that we weren't expert at, bring it to the forefront in this industry, and literally make a living out of it. Uh, And here we are, um, really, you know, 12 years later in Crowdserve, 15 years later, and knowing each other and...
1: That's how it all kind of came together. Awesome. Awesome. Man, that sounds exciting. Now, Cassie, um, I know Jay talked about you uh, quite a bit. Did you always have that entrepreneurship mindset, um, wanting to run your MySpace or other people's MySpace pages?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily call the mindset I had like an entrepreneurship mindset. But one thing I've always enjoyed doing is solving problems. That's something that's always kind of, I've always enjoyed creative problem solving. And I guess that is a big part of entrepreneurship. I just, um, you know, have a passion for like sort of identifying things that could be better and then figuring out a solution and how to execute that solution. Uh, when I was in high school, you know, people kind of have cool different high school clubs that they join. And the high school club that I was in is actually called the future problem solvers. Um, so I guess that was a, uh, you know, sort of a, a good indication of where um, my, my future would take me, but uh, I, I really loved that program and uh, it was fun because they would give you a hypothetical situation in the future and you'd have to identify the, the major problems that, it, you know, that that problem causes and work backwards and figure out different um, solutions for, for that. So uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's. It, That's a, I have a passion for problem solving. And I would say that that's a, you know, kind of, it's kind of leads to, you know, various entrepreneurial situations.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting too, to be honest, nor Cassie nor myself had any intention of saying, you know, we want to grow up and own a business, run a business, be an entrepreneur. That wasn't really something that crossed our minds. Um, it was almost something that became a necessity as we were embracing what was happening in the music industry and embracing the digital side of things. There really were not people doing it at that time um, or not a lot of people doing it and definitely not people doing it well, in my opinion. Um, But, you know, it, it kind of became a necessity to create our own structure to take on projects independently because there were not budgets at record labels to hire people full time. I mean, that was literally the position we were in. We were both, Temping and being contractors for different record labels in Nashville, and none of them would hire us full time because they didn't see, you know, that level of value in what we were doing, nor was there a budget built into any of these artist projects for that service. So, the only way we could kind of find ways to get compensated for, you know, coming in and doing this work was looking at getting paid through people's marketing budgets, which then made us vendors, which then you know, after a while, we started saying, "Okay, we should get a a mailbox that we share together and we should get a bank, and maybe we'll set up a company, and what should we name it? So That was kind of like the second part of finding a skill set and finding an opportunity and seizing that and then the business side of it really came after that as a really a necessity to keep doing what we were doing.
1: Wow, that is so awesome now, you guys, I mean, Cassie, you talked about even though you did not go in it's almost like you guys were um accidental entrepreneurs because you did not plan to become that but one you saw problems that you needed to solve and you know i i you're absolutely right entrepreneurs are people who solve problems either in a local or global scale and that is exactly what you guys are doing or uh, and you and you started doing um when you founded this company because there was not, no one out there or even nothing out there that that could do what exactly what you were trying to do and as you said you seized the opportunities now was your age um, a big issue at that time when when you when you were starting the company um
2: i think that for me i think about i think age was actually an advantage to a certain extent not necessarily from like the uh, you know, the actual business side of things, because sometimes being an age and being a woman can be a challenge in terms of being taken seriously. But I think that the thing that was great about us doing this at a, at a young age is that you don't have sort of the financial responsibilities yet that, you know, I would, you know, now a bit older, um, you're, you, you can, you can live for a lot cheaper right out of college and not have like, you know, commitments, whether it's family or mortgage or whatever those things are. So I think that the the point in our lives was probably actually helpful from a financial standpoint because our, you know, personal monthly, at least for me, a personal monthly cost was not as high. So I'm always kind of grateful for that because it would take a lot more, you know, it would t- take a lot more money for me to be able, to, I would have to be making a lot more money to like have taken that leap out of a job at this age versus that age.
0: Yeah. And also, I think it was an advantage in the sense that as I was speaking before, you know, we were, you know, Cassie and I are five years apart. So I was around 25 and she was around 20. Um, And us being young and having young friends and like in a society of young people, that's why we knew the skills that we had. Um, and had really embraced social media and the internet the way we did, because, you know, that's how we grew up. That's how we grew up discovering music. And so again, like I said, these, you know, older people that were veterans in the industry that had not been a part of their lives for most of their careers. So to them, it was a new way of thinking where to us, it was just the way we already communicated and thought because it was cool in the, in the age range that we were.
1: Absolutely. And um, Jade, let me, if you could give an advice to a young woman listening today that is wanting to start um, her own business, but she's concerned about age or um, the, ne- the necessity of even the, the business that she's trying to start, what one advice would you give her? And then Cassie will come back to you as well.
0: Yeah. Um, so to me, the advice I always go back to giving the core to me of being good at, at anything, and I think this really goes back into the story we were just telling about finding a skill set, perfecting it, and then starting a business is I say, do what you do. And what that really means is I think that everyone, if they you know, took all the other things out of the equation, i.e. the bills you have to pay in life and the you know, maybe the stigma of a family member or or anything that could distract you from giving a true answer to this. But there's something I think we all, if we could snap our fingers, genie in a bottle, whatever, and do this magical thing that we would love to do on a daily basis, i.e., quote unquote, run MySpace pages. I think most people don't ever look at that as a real opportunity to have a job, live a life like that. So it's for for me, if you really go back to kind of the core of why I loved music, it was being a fan. And if you could have asked 12-year-old Jade, you know, who didn't understand the responsibilities of an adult life, what would you do for the rest of your life if you could do anything and money didn't matter? Oh, I'd be a fan. I'd go see concerts. I'd support artists I love. I'd hype them up and talk about them and yada, yada. And truly, I did make my career into that. So What I did well and where my passion was, lied in an area that almost seemed completely impossible to ever turn into a real paying job. But if you do what you do and do what you truly believe, you know, that you have passion about and you truly believe can be, you know, a lifestyle for you, I think there's always a way to take some part of that and turn it into a money making um, situation. Um, And so for me, it's like, you got to find out first what you do because the whole, you know, silly saying about, you know, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Trust me, I work. I work really, really hard. But I'd say that 99% of the time when somebody says to me, like, do you like your job? My answer is I love my job. I truly do because I'm at the core of what I do with even the things I have to do that I don't want to do. I love what I chose to do for a living because I followed that path of what was natural to me. And gave me enjoyment.
1: Awesome. Basically, just the passion. Passion is what drives you. And you're right. You will work. I mean, as an as an entrepreneur, the, you're you're the janitor. You're the CEO. You're the you're the um, administrator. You're everything um, <laughs> until a certain point. But the work is there. But I guess it doesn't feel like work if it's truly your passion. No matter how tired you are, you still go by go going to bed at night knowing that you've made a difference. Um Cassie, what about you? Um, you know, I think my advice for a, a,
2: a you know in if any any entrepreneur really is to not get caught up in, you know, all the all the the networking and and all these things that say, you know, quote unquote help your business. I think the 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 number one focus entrepreneurs need to have is offering great service or having a great product. That is the most important thing to do and, and to not be an entrepreneur because you want to make your own hours or you want to do this or want to do that. You have to be an entrepreneur because you have a passion for the product or the service that you offer and really believe that, that it can, it can help people. And, you know, something, you know, I've always struggled, you know, my entire life with quote unquote being shy. And, and what I've sort of learned is what being shy is over the years is actually, you know, different versions of, I guess what would be, you know, diagnosed as some level of, of social anxiety. And, you know, something I think that I always sort of struggled with, especially in the entertainment industry was that you're told you need, oh, your, your network is everything you need to go network at parties and network with people and make friends. And that's how you, you grow your business. And I, I think that that would often really stress me out because I, that's not a strength of mine because I, I am shy and um I realized over time that the best way to network and the best way to always win, even if somebody else is better at working the room at you in a party or it, you know, another situation we run into is, is women in the business we're in is that it's kind of, I have a hard time. You know, I I can't go to the. I mean, I can go, but it's it's kind of hard for me to have a, a good time at the the business dinner with all men that are all twenty years older than me. Um, those are always kind of you know, you know, and I get invited sometimes and I go, but I don't necessarily have a lot to to personally relate to with you know with 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 these you know people sometimes. But I think that um, it's just important to stay focused on offering a good service and good product and knowing that that will do your networking for you. Your network will build if you do a great job and a great people always hear about people doing a great job and that will naturally grow your business. And I think that, that some sometimes people think there's all these other tricks, but the real trick is having great service and
1: great product. I'm glad you said that because, and I, I truly believe in that. Um, there's just way too much out there and, you know, networking, this, going here, doing that, participating in so much that you can easily get uh, burned out. Um, and, you know, you're definitely right. If you have the right service, it will attract the right people. And if you have the right product, uh, it will also attract the right people. Basically, you what you need to concentrate on um, is giving value. You know, and, 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 and you know, if you give value, I like what you said, that your network will grow naturally. You don't have to go out there, you know, trying to make a name for yourself. People are attracted to something that brings them value, or I guess uh, bring them solutions to a problem that they have. And so um, as you're listening out there today, you know, pay attention to what you're giving out there. Are you giving value in the service that you, that you provide? Um, are your products solving problems? Because all that is the is is the key and the foundation of your business. Before you can try and get out there and make a big name for yourself and gain the spotlight, nothing wrong with that. But you have to make sure that what you what you're selling, whether it be a service or a product, can actually really stand. Now, ladies, let's talk about. Um, I like this uh, stats here about you. Tell me more uh, about this. Um, the Billboard magazine. It said you guys were digital power players, and um, let me see. I think Cassie, well, both of you are the two of only nineteen women on the list. Can you give me a little bit of background on that? Yeah, I mean, um, in terms of the, you know, sort of, I think something that
2: I, I first looked at percentage of women on list versus. Men, and to be honest, I'm not familiar with, I'm not super familiar with their overall number of people on the digital power players list. So 19 actually feels like a pretty strong number of women compared to what I'm used to seeing. Um, but when I first, the first sort of power list I was on was it.
0: 75, says our publicist.
2: <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, right. so, honestly, I mean, I granted it's, I, I would love for that number to be you know fifty-fifty one day, but. Nineteen is actually, I would say, progress. Nineteen out of seventy-five is 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 a, a big jump from what I'm used to. Um, when I was first on the Billboard uh, thirty under thirty list, there was, I think, there I think there's maybe five women total out of the you know out of the the thirty, and and that always interests me because people keep saying, oh, it's 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 gonna get better, like women are gonna take up. Uh, a larger percentage of the list, but if we're the new generation and it's the under 30 list is, you know, five out of 30 is, is women that that's not getting better. That's perpetuating the same problem. Um, And when I was on Forbes, 30 under 30 list in the music category, the way that they do their, the way that they do their uh, categories, 20 of the, people on that list are artists. And then so then they save 10 spots for business people. And out of the 10 business people, I was the only woman on, on that part of the list. And a friend of mine was actually, um, she was actually on Forbes 30 under 30 list in the music section as well this year. And she, again, was the only female business person in that list. So I think that I, I just like to point that out to people because it's showing that the, the problem is not getting better. Um, it's not improving with the new generation of, of people. It, it It's still the, the gender bias is still very much there in the music business. And I, I just, I think awareness is one of the first steps to sort of solving that problem. So that's why I like to kind of think about those things and, and, and call them out because I think people are just going to without everything going on in the world think that that's naturally getting better with the younger generations of people but I like to point out that it's not because it it's not and I think that's important to recognize
1: wow now why why do you think so and that's those are very interesting um stats and I'm even glad you brought that up because sometimes we can we can allow everything else that's going on in society make us think that, you know, there's no, because you don't see smoke, you think there's no fire, basically. Um, do you think a lot of women just do not um, venture into their own, into entrepreneurship, or are they afraid of going to certain fields? Uh, do, why do you think that is?
2: Um, I think in, well, the music business, a lot of these lists aren't necessarily even people that are entrepreneurs. It's just like people, like power players. So people that are movers and shakers, whether they're own their own company or are a part of another organization. But, um, I think that it's, uh, in the music business, it's just kind of e- easier for, in a lot of situations, it's, um, you know, men sort of for the most part rule a lot of the of the majority of the top spots in the, in the business right now. And I think, you know, that it's kind of easier for guys to have people to look up to and have mentors in in the music business than it is for, for girls it, right now. I, I remember when I was younger and I wanted to, you know, one day I was like, I want to be a really big, like female music manager. And when you're like little and a teenager, the only, there's only a handful of people that were you know sort of these power players that like a general public kid like me would know, and none of those people in the music business were women. Um, so I you know I think that that's that's part of that, and that's that's why we started our podcast actually was to kind of have uh, you know some of the fans of the artists that we're working with know that there's women out there doing music business things, and that you know that they're just to kind of set an example and show that there are women doing these things because we didn't have women that we knew about when we were younger to sort of look up to and learn about and, um, kind of want to model our careers after them.
1: Now, based on that, um, Jade, what advice would you give to a woman out there with all the limitations that they could possibly be facing? What one advice would you give to, for a woman to break into that, that, um, that environment where maybe it's either dominated by males or maybe just not enough females uh, coming in? What advice would you want to give?
0: I mean, look, you can't let it intimidate you. Or if it does intimidate you, you can't let that affect what you're doing. Like, I think me and Cassie have survived the music industry, and I think that's a proper word to use up to this point because we truly believe in what we're doing. We're not, we're never flandering or questioning who we are, what we stand for, what CrowdSurf is, what it does, the reason we do this, the reason we chose to do this for a living. And I think the truth, if you go in with truth and with passion, and you know what you stand for, that although you're going to deal with people that don't like you and, and want to tell you how much you don't know and how young you are or how you know female you are, <laughs> um, as long as you're argument on the other side is solid they really can't get you you know and I I think that's something that Cassie and I are always very solid in is the reason behind everything we do I also think that genuinely Cassie and I are good-hearted people with positive intentions and I think that really works to the advantage in the end because everything always comes out okay no matter how much crap we go through you know it's like when we're in the middle of a storm it may seem extremely turbulent and we don't know how we're going to get out to the other side. But every time the other side comes, we've been doing it for almost 15 years now. And I think the core reason that we're able to come out on the other side and never have to hide or be ashamed of anything we've done is because we know that at the core, there's something real there. There's something true. um, There's something honest. And I I think that is really something that has to be in place in order to dive in and succeed if you're a man or a woman, but especially if you have obstacles against you um, in our case, being women or being younger or, or whatnot. Um, but I think that's something that kind of anybody can relate to having any obstacles in front of them um, going into any industry.
1: That's awesome. That's really good. And um, people really sometimes underestimate the importance of just really being a naturally good person I think that that alone attracts the right people, and with that mindset, or even with that um, character or characteristic, there's so much you can overcome without even realizing what's happening around you, because you're right, there are negative things that will come um, uh, you know, along the journey. There are mountains that you have to move out of the way. There are Goliaths that you have to slay. There's so much that can come in between, um, but just having that good character of a person and, and paying it forward and, and even just obeying the golden rule, I think that communicates a long way and that goes a long way, rather, um, in, this, in, in any entrepreneurship uh, venture. Now, let's talk about your business. Let's talk about um, um, CrowdSurf and tell me, you know, what do you guys do for people and how is that changing uh, lives out there? And Cassie, you can start us off.
2: Sure. Um, CrowdSurf, when we started CrowdSurf, I would say we had a pretty sort of more narrow set of services that we offered. And that was social media management specifically, and community management and fan relationship management. So that would be guiding artists through how to use the, the internet and specifically social media platforms to communicate their fan communicate with their existing fans and grow their their fan base um over time over the past you know 12 years and and doing this our services have evolved a lot in that field in particular because social media has evolved but we've also uh, um, offer a lot more services now because we identified so many problems that needed to be solved for helping talent and artists over the years so um, you know, one problem that we constantly ran into, uh, when we started off our company was slow turnaround on graphic design and slow turnaround on website design. And, uh, we really, we, we get, we would hire different companies out to do this and got really frustrated with also huge gouging pricing on those services. <laughs> yeah. there was just massive pricing discrepancies with how much, you know, like artists actually make and, uh, it would just take too long to turn around and they, and they would do things like, Oh, well, you know, we can't, you know, add this to your website for two weeks. And it's like, just, that's, that's not how the internet moves a lot faster now. So, and that just, wasn't solving the problems that we had. So we undertook a lot of, we figured out how to hire our own team to build websites and do graphics and do single art and logos and that sort of thing because we wanted to find a more cost efficient, faster solution for our artists. And we just, um, so we figured out how to solve that problem and, and, uh, you know, added that on as a different service. And then I think, um, you know, another um, thing that we ran into a lot over the past five years, especially with how fast you need, how, how you have to feed the content beast on social media all the time. And we needed to figure out how do we, produce more content without more money being put into content. And so we developed a lot of um, creative services and production services to create um, videos and photos and that sort of thing to live in social media and YouTube and other places where, you know, fans like to engage with artists. Um, We figured out how to sort of solve that sort of speed and cost uh, turnaround as well, because that was an issue that our clients were, were constantly running into. Uh, we've also developed, we also built out our own publicity department within the company. And then we also have a whole um, uh, department of the company that is, uh, that is dedicated to battling various forms of copyright infringement online. So if a song leaks, a lot of times we get hired to take stuff down. If videos from a concert are posted that aren't supposed to be online, we get hired to pull all those from the internet um, and other various copyright issues where people don't want something on the internet or something isn't supposed to be on the internet or social media, or we have a whole team that can combat that stuff and get it down um, off the internet as soon as possible. Because again, we are running into a situation where stuff would leak and the companies that were available to do the service could not get it down fast enough. So we figured out a, a solution for solving that problem at a, at a, reasonable cost. So we just have kind of evolved and added various services over the years, um, to solve problems because we felt like that they could be done better. And then another, you know, sort of major initiative of ours in the past several years has been doing, or has, uh, become artist management because we felt like there's been, we've worked with a lot of different artists over the years. And some of our clients have absolutely incredible managers who I, Look up to and admire, and have learned so much to, um, from. And then I've I've also seen the flip side of that with some some incredible artists with terrible managers. It kind of ruined their career, and I think that they would have maybe had a shot at being successful if they had a different management team behind them. Um, so that that's another thing that we've gotten into because we felt like we were we felt when people would ask us, "Hey, who should manage us?" and we're like, "We can't think of a better." partner for you as a particular kind of artist than ourselves. So that's just, we became another, another problem to solve. So we, we offer a lot of different services now and really try to just help our clients that come to us solve the problems that they're having in the music business and try to reach their goals.
1: Wow. That is a lot of problems you guys are solving. I mean, you can take all that stuff online. (laughs) (laughs) now um so and jade you can answer this i know that uh when we start businesses there's so many obstacles that come in and 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 um cassie you touched on a few of of these but jade um are there any obstacles that you guys face i mean uh, business owners face different things like you know problems with taxes not finding a cpa or, you know, not being able to hire the right employees and and so many other things. What obstacles did you guys face um, um, in the business, either before or now, and how did you overcome it?
0: So I think we faced every obstacle in running a business you ever could face. <laughs> um, it was it was hard, and it's, it's still hard, to be honest. Um, I, I'd say the running the business part of what we do is definitely my least favorite. I'd rather just kind of do what we do all day. However, you know, being the owners does have its perks, and that we can create these solutions and we can do things differently, and we can bring these solutions to people that don't know where to turn and, and really change people's lives and, uh, and bring music to the world. That being said, um, I think the financial side has probably been the hardest part. Um, I think one, because Cassie and I don't like dealing with it because that's we're like super creative people and don't want to deal with like the rigid side of that. Um, but, you know, going back to the beginning of this company, just to be, you know, transparent. Cassie and I do not come for money. (laughs) Cassie and I took out a lot of college loans and got some credit cards and made it work. Uh, We never got a business loan. We never borrowed money from anyone. We pretty much got a few credit cards, survived as we could when this started. And, you know, a paycheck came in for this month's worth of work. We split it in half and we paid our rent when we could. Um, so that was really hard. Um, you know, I, I feel like if you go back to any, you know, class I took about business in school or, or even think about people starting businesses, you think, Oh, they're gonna start with funding from somewhere, whether it's a bank or a savings account or whatnot. We had nothing. <laughs> so the fact that we've even been, been able to survive for over a decade now is I think incredible. Um, but that to me would have been definitely the hardest part on kind of running the business side. But yeah, as you mentioned taxes and laws and all of this stuff, we didn't know any of that stuff. Um, we bought a lot of books for dummies. <laughs> we, we asked a lot of questions. We Googled a lot of things. And I mean, I'm still learning things every day, to be honest, luckily at this point, we've, you know, we have the, the resources to have people do some of this stuff for us, but we're still very hands-on. Um, I still spend a lot of time on the finance side and working with our team and uh, just, you know, to make sure that everything is being run, right. Everything's being run honestly, going back to kind of our values. And um, that does take a lot of time and I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I think it's completely necessary for um, having a business that you're proud of. Um, And then when it comes to things like hiring people and whatnot, I'll tell you right now, interviewing people and hiring the right people has been something that we have, I don't want to say perfected, but gotten way better at over the past 12 years. Um, you know, when you first start a company, you're just not good at hiring people. It's it's a skill set. It really is. And we have developed a system that exists now based on all the times we messed up and all the things we didn't ask in interviews that, you know, came to haunt us later with hiring people. Um, and that, that's that been really hard. And And I think that it is something that you know, maybe some people it comes naturally to, I don't, I don't think it necessarily did to us, but I think too, you have to kind of like get into your business and dig in, understand the ins and outs, the problems that may occur and find the right people that can deal with those and really be there for your clients. Um, and really want a lifestyle that's very different (laughs) when it comes to the music industry. So that's all been hard. And, you know, I think as any business owner, you, you deal with that stuff every day. Um, and and it's a challenge. Um, but to me getting to do what I love on the other side of things is worth the things that I don't love to do.
1: Wow. Now, um, you talked about, you, you touched on a few points and man, you're right. The finances is always a big factor. I mean, a lot of us can start businesses and we can talk the talk and walk the walk and the moment, um, you know the, the, the accounting comes in or finances comes in. It's like something just happens. I know I start seeing lights or something, and yeah. all these like, <laughs> why? Somebody take care of this, but <laughs> it's like I'm. What well, I don't understand is this algebra. Um, <laughs> but you're right. I mean, as a business owner, if it, it may not be your strongest um area of strength, but you have to still know something and you know those those finances for dummies or accounting for dummies or taxes for dummies whatever those you know basically doing your research and reading 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 will definitely help so one you know that your cpa or whoever it is is not even taking advantage of you and i mean i i've i've made my own share of mistakes with hiring uh people you know just because someone had a smiley face and the right answers did not mean that they were the right person for your business. And so, yep. especially when it's a family member. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now we'll shout out because my mom does work for me, and she's amazing. Oh
1: well, shout out to mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had my share, and you know, and guys, even as you're listening out there, you know, don't just hire anyone because you're trying to fill fill a spot. You know, hire the right people because they always say it is much harder. I believe it is harder to fire than it is to hire. So make sure that. You are really hiring the right people. You're you're and you're, you're taking time to learn how to solve these problems now, and uh, we can go to you, Cassie. What um what myths uh, did you believe about entrepreneurship even before you guys um, got into this, and how have you solved them?
2: You know, I, I think that you know something that I kind of realized over time is that um just cause you hire somebody to do something doesn't mean they're going to do it well. <laughs> um, and I think that, um, you know, that everyone's like, Oh, just find um, a CPA to help you with your finances or find a, you know, a lawyer to help you with your copyright infringement issues or whatever the, the case may be. And I think, I think sometimes I put a little too much trust in, and hi- in, in just cause there was X amount of money on the bill. I think I, I was, I assumed I made too many assumptions. I assumed that somebody was doing something right, but in in order to get things done in business, you have to know as much as you can about the people that you're hiring and the tasks that they're performing. And you really have to really have to chase people in order to, to, to make sure that something gets done. Nothing. You're you're never going to be able to just pay a bill and have something handled. Like you're always, you're never going to be able to let that go. You always have to have a certain amount of, of oversight and, understanding of whatever you're hiring somebody to do for
1: you. That's good. That's good. And, and what about you, Jay? Yeah.
0: I think the scheduling thing, I think that, and I think, I think, you know, I got, I understood this very quickly, but I think um, a lot of other people around us have a very big misconception of like, Oh, well you can just do this or do that in your own time. Cause you can make your schedule. Well, yeah, I can move things around in my schedule, but it doesn't mean I don't have 12 hours of work to do the day when everybody else is doing eight or more than that. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things. And also the other thing is, you know, if somebody, whether it's a person in your company or someone who you hire outside of the company doesn't do whatever you hire them to do, then you have to do it (laughs) because it's your company and it's got to get done one way or another.
1: (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And I think sometimes, um, entrepreneurs fear that, Oh, I want to be hands off. Oh, I don't want people to think that I'm micromanaging. But the truth is, um, if you hire the right people, and even if they don't do it right or do it to fit your company culture or how you want things, then then you have to step in, and that also comes uh, brings the topic of training into the matter. So, because I know I, I've faced my share of that as well, and even knowing that you know, hey, just because you're your own boss doesn't mean that you're not gonna work extra shift or you're not gonna work extra hours. The work is there, is waiting for you. And you being the CEO of your own company means that you will have a lot to do when everybody else um, goes home. Now, do you guys right now, do you currently just only work with um, individuals that are wanting to get into the music industry or based on the services that you provide, anyone can come to you if they need those services?
2: Um, You know, in terms of like, we primarily work with... Um... Artist or various entities in the music business. Sometimes we get it's not an artist, but it's a record label or a publishing company or something of that nature that hires us instead of the artist directly. Um, but I would say majority of our clients are music centric, and then we have a, a a lot of clients too that are either work in uh, comedy or entertainment industry in terms of like you know um, being an actor or actress or some other sort of public personality is is the primary bulk of what we do. And we've definitely had other types of clients over the years, but our, our, our hearts are in, in, you know, entertainment and people who want to build a fan base and really go after their dreams and and music or, or film or the world of celebrity.
1: (laughs) The world of celebrity. Yeah. yeah, It is a world of its own. Um, Now let us talk about your podcast. Tell me, um, and it's um, either one, Cassie, if you want to start, or Jade, uh, tell me about your podcast um, so the audience can know as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, our podcast is called How I Got Backstage. And that kind of comes from the fact that when Cassie and I were young, all we wanted to do was get backstage. And now it is a pretty uh, everyday part of our lives. So, it's the story of having that desire and then making it a reality. Um, The real, really, the kind of like motivation to start the podcast was I've done a lot of touring uh, over the past 10 years with different music artists. And I've done a lot of things like VIP experiences and contesting with fans and you know putting meet and greets together and things like that so I've done a lot of things with with interaction with fans and I love fans I am still a crazy fangirl I don't think it was two months ago I got a tattoo about a band again I have many of them um and uh you know I understand them I understand why they love what they love and why it's important to them and and I really love being around those type of people so that being said, getting to interact with so many of them as I've toured and been on site with artists for you know over a decade, I am always getting questions from them um, asking, wow, this is so cool. How do I get a job like yours? How do I grow up and do this? And in most of these situations, I have all of two to five minutes to talk to them, if even that. And it just got to the point where I was getting asked that so often, and I really started to kind of take it to heart because I actually, I can remember a very certain circumstance when I went to a concert for a band that I loved and I drove from Virginia to South Carolina and I went up to their tour manager and I said, Hey, I want to be a tour manager. How do I do it? So I actually did the same exact thing back in the day. And um, actually that tour manager gave me the best piece of advice I ever got, which was you should go to Belmont, which was, which is a music business school in Nashville. And then I ended up Understanding there was such a thing, I ended up going to a very similar school down the road in Nashville, MTSU, because of the one piece of advice this guy gave me. So um, I really felt that it was kind of my turn to say, "I want to give this advice," and obviously I can't do it, in, you know, on site during a meet and greet and actually say something that might, you know, change their lives. But I want to answer this question because there's no book about it. There's no Um, there aren't really resources saying, oh, you want to work in the music industry? This is how you do it. Um, and so I wanted to kind of take it under our wing to create that resource. And, you know, Cassie and I have a lot of stories. Cassie and I were very close friends before we started CrowdSurf and we toured around the world chasing bands we loved. And we have stories for forever. Like we can tell the funniest stories. So there's a really good banter between us. There's a lot of humor in it, but there's also a lot of, of advice um and a lot of uh a lot of like how-tos and steps to take which i think that's the hardest part for people to get advice on like you can listen to a lot of things about inspiration but actually having the steps saying okay you're inspired you're ready to go here are three things you can actually do so we've had everybody on the show from artist managers to record label executives to music artists to um Uh, We actually had three moms that are moms of uh, three of the boys in a a pop group called Why Don't We? And that was actually our biggest podcast um, because they're such a huge, huge act right now. But, um, you know, just looking at different perspectives of people who who the music industry are a big part of their lives and kind of telling their story of how. You know, you're born and you you think you're gonna be an astronaut or a policeman and then somehow you get sucked into this whole world. Um, and kind of telling those stories and seeing it from a million different perspectives because very you know, I don't really think anybody has the same story of how they got into the music business. So we wanna tell um really, you know, we've told our story so many times. So the the title of the uh the podcast really refers to the guest. And so the guest each week is telling their story of how they got backstage.
1: I love it. I love it. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and you know what? Um, just based on what you said, I wanted to ask, because, I mean, you guys have done so much and you continue to do so much. So how do you balance your personal and your business uh, life, I guess? How, how do you guys balance that to make sure that one is not lacking? And Cassie, we can start with you. Um, I think that you know, something that we kind of learned over the years
2: was that um, we didn't necessarily, like, I think a lot of times we, at the beginning of our business, we tried to always do the same job. And I think that we realized that when we divide and conquer and do different tasks that are affiliated with our different strengths, that we really thrive much more. And I think just accepting that like, we're not the same people and that it's always better to divide and conquer versus doubling up on every task is really, um, is really, a it was ended up being a much better way for us to go.
0: Um, yeah, I completely agree with that. We've gotten, we've gotten much better at like dividing and conquering and utilizing our time with the business, um, in a better way. Um, I'll be honest, like it took me a really long time to even like approach this subject because, I don't know how many years I'd have, you know, parent, you know, my parents don't live in the same city that I do and they would visit and literally just because my parents in town didn't mean I was off of work. Like I would go to the office every day and they would wait at my house. And when I was off at night, we would hang out. Like, that's how it was. There was no question to it. And and the thing is, I think I did have to do that for a long time. I think that if we didn't nearly kill ourselves with the amount we worked for, you know, years and years, I don't know if we would have survived. So that was kind of what it was. But then it got to a point where, There was feasibly extra time to free up, but I was in such a bad habit of overworking that it took me a lot of reading and listening to advice and watching other people do it to make that time. Um, I'd say that this past year, 2018, was probably the best year I've ever had at actually taking that time and doing things. I actually went on two or three legitimate, either like half-week or week-long vacations with members of my family, and I had never done that during my time at CrowdSurf so and it felt so good and it felt amazing to kind of like share share that with my family but um, I'm not good at it I'm not gonna say I am good at it but I'm taking steps to get better at it and I think the best thing I have learned is that I have to trust the people that I hire to do a job that they may not do every day but to help me out so I can have that time so it's really to me been more of a trust issue than than
1: anything else Wow. And, and thanks for your transparency. And I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs do experience that where, you know, that trust, um, making sure that when you're not there, your business can still run uh, without you. But no matter what, to take time to enjoy life, because if not, then, I mean, there's just so many repercussions that can come with just work, all work and no play. <laughs> Basically, there are the, you, just, you just cannot do that. Um, and think that and I know I hear people saying, oh, I sleep three hours a, a day and, and, and I work the rest. And I'm like, I don't understand. How do you do that? You have to rest. I mean, I don't I know. I did that for years, but now I'm 37 and I definitely can't do that I anymore. <laughs> Your body will tell you when to sleep, yeah. you know, I did not
0: see much last night. I've been
1: yawning all day. I was yawning
0: <laughs> on the treadmill this morning,
1: <laughs> you know, and, and Hey, time, time, time waits for nobody. And so, you know, please, please make sure you're taking time out for yourself. Your, you know, is your business, and no matter what, if you're not being healthy, then you, you're not going to be successful. And so I know a lot of people have all these different theories about, you know, I, I work until three a.m. in the morning. It, it doesn't have to be you. You can definitely take time out for yourself, and 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 make sure that you know you're you're being your mind is alert that you're being active and making sure that you're you're, you're clocking out <laughs> once in a while just to enjoy time with family now before we go um what and each of you if you could give one last advice to a woman out there female entrepreneurs out there what that what advice would that be that would change their life mm. I think be really good
0: um I gave my big piece of advice. Oh, I know another one that I say a lot, always ask. Um, I used to be very nervous about asking for anything. And uh, I had a boss, I used to work at Radio Disney uh, before I moved to Nashville in 2004. And um, I had a boss, I actually, it's actually a kind of full circle story, but I love the Backstreet Boys growing up. I still love the Backstreet Boys. I now work for the Backstreet Boys. And I wanted to literally get tickets to go see Nick Carter. That, that's all I wanted. I wanted a pair of tickets because I knew that I couldn't afford the gas and the tickets because I had to drive to Philadelphia, whatever. So I came up with this like crazy idea that I could ask my station manager in Richmond, Virginia, if she could ask the station manager in Philadelphia, if they had any extra tickets. And so I planned to go in her office and ask her this question and I walk in and I'm super nervous. And she could tell I was nervous. And I was probably 19 years old. And she said, I can tell you're really nervous, um, but I'm just going to tell you this. If you don't ask me for what you want, you're definitely not going to get it. But if you do ask me, that's the only way you'll have a chance of getting it. And it's such simple advice, but it blew my mind, honestly. And so I asked, not only did I get tickets, but I actually got to interview him for the station and meet him. And that was a time in my life where I thought, there is no way I will ever meet my idols, the Backstreet Boys. And because I had the courage to ask that one question and I was kind of pushed by her with that piece of advice, it changed my life. And I remember the day I met him, I can, I, I've been back to the same spot in the same room at, a, you know, when I was on tour with another band. And I was like, this is the place where I realized that like I can do big things because I can confidently ask for them. So I would say, take
1: your chances and ask for things because that's going to move you forward you know that is such a great simple advice and i meet a lot of women that are just afraid to ask because you you don't want to seem that you're you're always needy or you're needing something or you know if i don't ask then they're not going to ask me for something but that's not the case if you ask you will receive and you just have to give yourself that chance now um cassie what about you
2: i would say that the biggest piece of advice for any entrepreneur but i feel like females oftentimes struggle with this more than men do is uh, to do everything you can to eliminate fear and guilt in your decision-making process for how you handle business and, and in your life too when you can, but, uh, you know, definitely from a business side of things, uh, you know, making a decision out of fear always you, you need to make a decision because you Believe in it, you know, it's not the right thing, not because you're scared of upsetting somebody or you feel like you don't deserve something or you are scared that you're making the wrong decision. You it, like fear leads people in the wrong direction, and I, I think it's just important to be able to identify when fear and guilt is creeping into your mind and to once you, the, the first step is knowing that it's there. And once you know, it's there, you can, you can, it's easier to sort of remove, to kind of put that in a bucket on its own and remove that from when you're making decisions about like what you want to do in your, your career and, and life. Uh, fear is, is, I think the a big thing that people struggle with. And um when you remove that, you, you, it really is, it makes your decision-making power and your, just your ability
1: to work and live just such a better place. Man, that's so powerful. And you have no idea. And I'm sure you do, but just how much fear can limit anyone from even moving forward in their decisions. Um, and ultimately their dreams. I mean, you, you guys, the, the circles that you're in and everything that you've been able to accomplish, I can just imagine what if you had allowed fear and, and, and all the limitations to stop you, you know, I don't think you will be where you are now. And so I'm glad you brought that up, you know, definitely just eliminating that fear and doubt from your decisions and knowing that you're not always going to make the right decisions. You're not always going, going to be perfect, but take action anyway. And, you know, you learn from your mistakes. So thank you so much for that, uh, Cassie. Well, you know what? I've I've enjoyed talking to you ladies. This has been so fun and so awesome. And I hope (laughs) this is not the last time we get to talk, but, um, I just want to say thank you ladies so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you.
0: I too. Yes, thank you you so much
1: for having us. No problem. And audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening in today. And if you want to keep in touch with me or get help for your business, uh, my website is www.triumphantwoman.org. And also for Jade and Cassie, their website is crowdsurf, that is C-R-O-W-D-S-U-R-F, net. And if you're out there and you want to get into the music business, please check out their website and also check out their podcast. It is called How I Got Backstage. Ladies, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I hope to talk to you guys later.
0: Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Diary of a Female Entrepreneur. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a raving review, subscribe, share, and send us your questions. Want to be a guest on the show? Contact us at www.triumphantwoman.org. Join your host, Nancy Mensa and a surprise guest next time for another episode of The Diary of a Female Entrepreneur.